Welcome to the Fit and Fierce podcast, a show to inspire and empower you and remind you that we're all a little messed up and that's okay. I'm your host, Megan. And in my personal journey, I realized that the fiercest thing I ever did was to ask for help. I no longer wanted my story to rule me. I was going to own it and share it. And throughout each one of these episodes, I want you to remember that being flawed doesn't make you less. It makes you more. Today's guest is somebody I think that so many of you will relate to and will be very, very intrigued by the information that she's sharing. I got to speak to Samantha who is known on the social media realm as Samantha Lee RD. Samantha is a registered and licensed dietitian and she's been practicing since 2011. And her private practice really specializes in helping women overcome anxiety by modifying diet and lifestyle so they can actually achieve balanced moods and fewer episodes of their anxiety or panic. And it's something that I have experienced in my life and I know many of you have as well. So getting some really basic and simple tips from Samantha was really wonderful today and I know many of you will appreciate all she has to say. You all are in for such a treat today. I'm so excited to sit down and chat with my guest today, Samantha. Welcome to the Fit and Fierce podcast, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be here. I love when everyone can explain to the listeners who they are. So why don't you give us a little insight into just who Samantha is? Sure, absolutely. So I am a registered licensed dietitian. Uh, I've been in practice since about 2011. But within the past few years, um, I got diagnosed with anxiety. And so I really started looking into that deeper and sort of trying to figure out what I could do from a nutrition and health standpoint to combat that. And then I, it became my specialty. So I started really trying to uh, target patients who had anxiety so that I could help them to overcome it with nutrition strategies. I think we all are really drawn towards helping people who are experiencing something that we very, very firsthand understand. Yes, exactly. And then I've talked to a lot of other dietitians that specialize in things for very similar reasons. Like a good friend of mine was a diabetes dietitian because she had type 1 diabetes or still has it. And so now that's her passion to help others with the same problems. And I am drawn to having hired a handful of coaches or worked with different health practitioners, definitely am drawn towards somebody who understands what I'm going through. Yes, absolutely. I've had patients say that before to me. They're like, it really makes me feel a lot better that you know what it's like to feel the way that I do and you don't think I'm crazy. Because <laughs> a lot of times when you first get diagnosed with anxiety, you're like, am I just nuts? Like, am I crazy? Or is this a real thing? Um, but but really, it is a, it's a chemical process that happens in your body that makes you feel this way. So even though you feel like you might be crazy, um, you're really not like you're just experiencing anxiety and it it can get pretty bad. um, I am interested to know prior to your diagnosis of anxiety, do you feel like that started because of a specific event that happened in your life or looking back, can you say, yeah, I really see some trends of I've had this for most of my life or a good portion of my life. Yeah, looking back, um, I would say I probably had it 
a long time and it maybe just got worsened with having kids and having a profession um, and kind of having to deal with all of my responsibilities at once. But I was, um, for most of my life, I picked my lips. And uh, now that I've done more research into it, it turns out that's an anxious habit. Um, you know, especially when people around me, like if my family was like yelling or fighting, I would start picking at my lips. Um, and so if you, like, if you have any sort of like nail biting or lip picking or skin picking, hair pulling, anything like that, that oftentimes can be a sign that, uh, that it's, there's anxiety present because that's often like an outlet for those anxious feelings. Hmm. What are some other signs and symptoms people might notice if they're saying, I don't know if I have anxiety what, what would, what do you typically see? Well, that's interesting because, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different ways to explain anxiety and everybody gets anxious sometimes. Like that's totally normal um, to sometimes have anxious feelings and thoughts. Uh, But I think when it crosses the line to where it's like really interfering with your life, like you're having racing thoughts or you're not able to do your daily activities, either of your job or um, normal activities like going to the grocery store or going on a trip with your kids because you're worried and anxious and you just you know that you would start to have anxiety um, or even panic although you don't necessarily have to have panic to have an anxiety but um, but it just crosses that line to where it's like really interfering with your life to where it's not just normal like worrying thoughts that everybody has but it's it's really like taking a toll on you and your family mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really helpful information for some people to say, because, you know, you might think like, oh, I'm not, I'm not extreme enough. I'm not having what we would call anxiety or panic attack. So that's not me, but I have a really hard time going out in social events. Like maybe that, you know, there, there's different levels. Like you had said, everybody experiences that so differently. Yes. And then there's social anxiety and generalized anxiety. So social anxiety is exactly what you described to where like, and that's what I got diagnosed with first, because I had explained to my physician, like, you know, I'm having trouble going to the grocery store during busy times. I'm having trouble with like, conversations with people like normal small talk type conversations. (laughs) Like for, for me and you to sit here and talk, and we have a planned topic to talk about, like, I can totally do that. I don't feel anxious at all. But if you put me in like a situation where I have to make small talk with somebody, I get really anxious, or I used to anyway, I'm a lot better than I used to be. Um, But I would get really anxious. And so that was social anxiety. And then generalized anxiety is just feeling anxious about any, basically anything that, that you might be feeling anxious about, but um, levels. And the good thing about what I teach is that it's very effective on for anybody. So you don't necessarily have to be like full-blown GAD or generalized anxiety disorder in order to benefit from, um, from your nutrition, improving your nutrition, improving your exercise. And it just makes you feel a whole lot better and really good. And then you can kind of avoid some of those anxious feelings. That's what I was so initially drawn to you with Samantha was treating that anxiety naturally. I think our bodies, I fully believe that our bodies are self-healing if we allow them the tools to do so. And that doesn't mean that we can't use medication or that outside help isn't necessary, but that's kind of a band-aid. If we're hitting that nutrition or we're hitting that those natural ways, it's so much more effective. 
It really is. And, you know, I, I like to describe it like, and I think in one of my videos on Facebook, I have, I describe it as like the flu. Like if you get, or if you get the, you get a really high fever, like you treat the fever with, um, with like ibuprofen or a Tylenol or something to bring the fever down. And that helps you with the symptom, but that doesn't cure whatever caused the fever. It's just like kind of masking it until your body can figure that out for yourself. And it's the same thing with anxiety. Like you might need medications. A lot of people do, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that doesn't treat the root cause of the anxiety. That just sort of like, let's take it down a couple notches, especially if it's really bad right now so that you can get at what is really causing this, what is the root cause and address and identify that. And then people don't necessarily need medications for the rest of their life. And obviously that's outside my scope of practice It's between you and your doctor. But as far as what I've seen and working with physicians, a lot of times it's just like, you need this for a few months, then let's like get your lifestyle under control, get some therapy going, and maybe you can wean off the medications and see how you feel. But I think a lot of people think meds are kind of a death sentence, like, oh no, I'm, I'm getting this med now and I'm gonna have to take it the rest of my life. And that scares a lot of people. So I just want to ease any fear about that. It, it really is just trying to, um, you know, trying to alleviate symptoms while we, while we figure out what's really going on. What does a typical treatment plan look like for a patient that you're seeing? So I work very much as an interdisciplinary approach. So people usually are already working with a physician, already working with a therapist. And so what I do is I come at it from like the chemical side of it to where you're having anxiety and you're having these racing thoughts and feelings because there's something out of balance within your body. And so if we can address that from a nutrition standpoint to help your body make more of those happy, feel good chemicals that make you feel good, like serotonin and dopamine, endorphins, if we can help your body make more of those, then you'll naturally start to feel better on your own, um, whether or not you're taking the medications. And then you can, you know, plan with your physician whether or not you still need them. Are there certain foods that are better at helping that or certain foods that are a little bit, I don't like to label food as good or bad, but more harmful or that don't help in that process as well? Yeah, I mean, it all, it's really, there's no like one food, it's more about like the overall diet and lifestyle. So if somebody is um, eating like a lot of sort of high carbohydrate, refined processed foods, um, there's nothing wrong with having something like that every now and then, but people are usually eating a lot of them. And then you kind of go on this blood sugar roller coaster ride. And that causes a lot of mood disturbances, especially if you um, are using those to sort of get yourself through the day. So if you wake up and you have, you know, your Starbucks like mocha latte and it's got a lot of sugar in it and then you have like a pastry with it and then you kind of get this like blood sugar caffeine high. And then you're crashing like two hours later. So then you're raiding the, the break room for donuts. And then you get that, you get a little blood sugar high, and then you're crashing two hours later. So your your blood sugar constantly going up, spiking, and then crashing. Even if you don't have diabetes or anything like that, your body still has to deal with that load of sugar. And um, so that can kind of cause some problems because then it can cause those mood swings. And we all know everybody's been hangry, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I am definitely like horrendously guilty of of that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's sort of evidence that like your blood sugar level and the foods that you eat really interfere and impact your mood. Um, it's everybody's experienced that firsthand. And so if you can get to a point where you keep your blood sugar more stable and balanced throughout the day, 
then um, you'll kind of avoid some of those blood sugar related mood swings that happen. And is there, I, I mean, again, I'm sure everybody is so, so different, but you know, if that's my typical go-to in the morning is my Starbucks and then I'm in search of sugars and whatever kind of I can get throughout the day to keep me feeling what is a better option? And again, I know this is so general because everybody's so different, but what are some great things that other people that we can try? Right. I mean, we're all different, but then we're all kind of the same in a lot of ways too. Mm -hmm. And I think um, there's some, you know, after seeing thousands of patients and sort of boiling it down to like, how can I simplify this so that people understand it and they can make a better choice? Um, I came up with this system for choosing meals called protein plus produce. And it just sort of allows you to get all the nutrients that you need in like a really simple, easy to remember way. So you choose your protein and most people know what high protein foods are like eggs and um, lean meats are good um, or even fatty meats really. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, just balance it out with the lean ones and, um, you know, your legumes or whatever other protein sources, whole grains, if the, the right ones, like maybe some quinoa or something like that, not like a ton of protein, but, um, but if you add that to like some eggs or something, then you get a good, good balance there. But protein plus produce would be like your fruits and your vegetables, which most people are not eating enough produce. <laughs> we all kind of know that that's most of us in the health field are like, we need people to eat more produce. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do we get people to eat more produce? And I get it. Like it, it's a lot of work to cut up all those veggies and like keep them in the fridge and like always be meal planning. Um, but really though, the produce is what your body needs to make the chemicals that make you feel good because they've got the vitamins and the minerals and that supports your body in that process of making those feel good chemicals. So all of my advice is to support your body in its own ability to make these chemicals it's naturally supposed to be making on its own. Um, And protein plus produce is a really great way to start with that. How does movement or some kind of exercise and sleep play into that as well? Yeah. sleep, exercises and sleep, both, both very important. Um, Exercise everybody kind of knows this, right? We've all watched Legally Blonde where, you know, she's like, exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people don't kill people um, or something like that. I don't know. I probably It's heard. true. <laughs> but yeah, it's like you all get like the runner's high is well known. Like most people respond really well to exercise in that their body makes neurotransmitters that make you feel good after you exercise. And it does this naturally as a way to alleviate any sort of like pain that might come from like soreness, muscle soreness that, you know, if you run really hard, you have to think evolutionarily, we're probably like running away from a bear or something like that. So we need to like alleviate the pain so we can run harder. Um, But then there's the other side of exercise too, where if you do, you do too much too hard, then it can cause stress hormones to um, be produced in excessive amounts. So for people who have anxiety specifically, what I recommend is like kind of getting into it gradually. Like let's start with walking. If you don't do anything right now, probably a good idea to start with walking like 20, 30 minutes of walking a day. You'll still get that neurotransmitter boost, but you won't get as much of the stress response. And then we can kind of move up from there as you're starting to feel better. Yeah. That's an interesting piece too, to really think about with, I didn't correlate with anxiety and exercise that somebody diving into something like HIT or something that's a little bit more high intensity probably isn't the best place to start for somebody. 
Right. And it's all about where you are right now. So um, I think a lot of people are thinking like, okay, I want to get healthy. And maybe they do have anxiety and they're like, okay, I'm going to like download insanity or whatever it Mm -hmm. may be. Um, Not to like knock any brand, there's nothing wrong with insanity. But if you're just starting out and exercising and you tend to get panic or anxiety, then a lot of times you'll start one of those programs and it'll make you more anxious. So we we really have to be careful if you're working with somebody on that. just to kind of ease yourself into it, like give yourself some grace. Like if you haven't been moving in a while, it's going to take your body a little bit of time to get used to having a daily movement routine. And the important part is just to start the habit. And then you can increase the intensity as you, um, as you create that habit and it becomes second nature to you. Well, and what a simple thing for all of us to go out and walk like somewhere, somehow, whether that's outdoor, indoor, whatever it is, like that's an, easy available option for every for most people I shouldn't say for everyone but for the majority of us yeah for most people and I mean if you have any sort of physical limitations um, there's always something that you can do to move your body you know and unless you're in a coma and you can't move any part of your body which I mean is I've seen it before so be thankful that you're not in that situation but Um, but if you're, you know, if you can move your arms, if you're wheelchair bound, if you're bed bound, you can do leg lifts. Like there's always something that you can do. And, um, I find that the most motivated patients that are like, I don't care if I'm bed bound, like I'm still going to do something, you know, obviously check with your doctor. If you're like pregnant and on bed rest, you probably want to be more careful. Um, but usually there's something that you can do to move your body. And that's all it really takes is that movement to start producing those good feel good chemicals. And we talked just real quickly on sleep. Does How does sleep play into anxiety? Oh, yeah, sleep. I, sorry, I got so caught up on no, exercise. No, that's okay. They all, that, they're great. <laughs> yeah, so I find in our sort of go, go, go lifestyle, a lot of people are not getting enough sleep. Um, and then the other problem with people who have anxiety is they tend to have insomnia. Uh, it can be very common because those anxious thoughts and feelings and racing thoughts are usually keeping people up at night. So, uh, and then people are told like, oh, well, you need eight hours of sleep. And then you feel even more anxious because you're like, oh my God, I only got four or five hours of sleep and I have anxiety and now I need sleep for anxiety. And it's sort of like, a, it's a vicious cycle. Um, so, you know, sleep is important, but I'd say like wherever you are, just start there. And so like, if I can get four or five hours of restful sleep, um, just be like, wake up and be like, I'm so grateful I was able to get four or five hours of restful sleep. Um, whereas like a couple nights ago, I was up all night and then move up from there. Like if you can get, go up to six and then, you know, cause a lot, if you're only getting four or five hours on a usual basis, you're not going to just lay down and get eight, eight hours of sleep one night. Like it's, <laughs> it's not how your body works to where it's just gonna be like, okay, eight hours. That's what we need. So that's what we're going to get. <laughs> So just sort of uh, start where you are. And it's just like anything else with movement, nutrition. We're not going to be perfect on um, on the first go around. But the point is, is continuous improvement. So wherever you are, if you can just keep improving towards that eight to nine hour, I guess it's really seven to nine hours. Some people can do seven. Some people need nine. I personally feel better when I get nine. Um, but that's just my body. And I know my body. So you have to kind of breathe that awareness of how you feel when you get a certain amount of sleep. You had mentioned when you were talking about sleep very quickly, like being grateful for does with anxiety and maybe again, maybe this isn't with your patients, but you personally, do you have a a special kind of gratitude practice or any kind of 
spiritual or any type of practice that helps alleviate or helps aid in your anxiety? Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of evidence to support meditation and self-hypnosis as far as, and even guided hypnosis, if you have access and can afford to go see a hypnotherapist, um, that can really help. And I I think the reason why is that we're so um, scheduled out that just being able to stop and like rest your mind for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or however long you can, can do it for is really really beneficial. So the next time, you know, you're scrolling social media, feeling kind of anxious and you're like, Oh, I don't know why I feel this way. Um, you know, stop, go to YouTube and get a, a, a guided meditation and just do that for 10 minutes. And I promise, like I have pretty much never seen a case where somebody didn't respond well to guided meditation so far. I'm sure it's out there, but I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I personally have struggled with anxiety too. And those are, I can notice when it's just that go mode and that nonstop. It's like, wow, I, like I can even stop and take six deep breaths. And suddenly I'm feeling like I'm a lot more grounded. I'm like, I'm a little bit more clear headed in what is happening right now. And there's science behind that um, because that process of taking a deep breath does, it really does help your mind sort of clear and um, calm down. And it does cause your body to release some calming chemicals as well. So just being able to get the oxygen into your lungs and take a deep breath. I mean, it's, it sounds so simple and like, why am I going to, you know, pay somebody to come and tell me this, but it's like so many people aren't doing that. So, you know, even if you can't afford to get help with anxiety, it's like, just do these like really simple, but, um, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? It's just like nutrition. Mm-hmm. It's like simple advice, take a deep breath, take several deep breaths every day, do some guided meditation, do self-hypnosis. I mean, they're all free on YouTube. Like you can find them just by a simple search, but so many people aren't doing it because I, maybe they just don't realize how much it would help. That's why I, I like to think. <laughs> I think so too. I really do. And, um, I think just something that because, especially for me breathing, because it's my body does it, I don't really have to think about it until somebody says like, Oh, stop and take a deep breath. And I breathe in and I think, Oh my God, I have like 12 times more lung capacity than I've been using all day long. Like you just, because it's something we do, we, we don't really, really put thought into that. Yes. And I think that that is, is key is mindfulness is the practice of just putting thought behind everything you're doing at every moment. Um, And so mindful eating, mindful exercise, mindful breathing. So many times we're, we're not in the moment. We're thinking about either the future or the past. And, and that's very common with anxiety. You're, you're thinking about things that went wrong in the past, like things that you said that, that weren't what you, what you wanted to come out or, you know, a interaction, a social interaction that, that maybe didn't go the way you had planned. Um, or maybe you think you said something stupid, but I mean, everybody says something that they didn't like really mean. Mm-hmm. Um, Or you're thinking about something that in the future, like, how am I going to pay the bill that's coming due next week? Or how am I going to, like, help my family to um, grow into wonderful adults or whatever, whatever it might be? Um, You know, that's, that's usually what anxiety is, is just worrying about either the future or the past. So really to be in the moment is, um, is, is really helpful to kind of release those feelings. Do you have any thoughts on if you are somebody who is dealing with anxiety 
thinking about or being mindful about the people that you're surrounding yourself with. Yes, I do. Um, I do think that's important. You know, I am, I'm a highly empathetic person. So I tend to pick up on the energy of the people that I'm around, which can be, it's very helpful as a counselor, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, which is probably why I'm called to this uh, profession. But when it comes to, uh, I can walk into a room and just sort of feel like there's something off or like somebody's unhappy or somebody is emotional. And um, unfortunately, sometimes I'll pick that up and carry it around with me. So I do think it's important to sort of shield yourself from other people's energy. Um, and whether or not you believe in that, that kind of stuff, I think everybody knows that there's sort of like you can pick up on, on other people's emotions. Um, so yeah, I, I do a cord cutting meditation or, a, um, it's, it's pretty simple. Like that sounds very complicated, but I just lay down and I imagine each person I encountered as a balloon. And then I just cut the string to the balloon and let it float up into the sky. And of course it's a biodegradable like balloon, you know, of course, <laughs> but, um, but just let it, letting those feelings float away and not taking them on as your own. Because you can't control how everybody around you is going to be acting and responding to different things. So the only thing you can control is how how you act and how you respond to it with some practice and um, and some tools. I love that practice. And I ask that too, because even as I think we don't realize, but even as you prior to were explaining why somebody would feel anxious about something they said in the past or a bill that they had. I could feel myself start to close off that chest cavity and start to just have that jittery feeling come over me about something you were just explaining this hypothetical situation. So I think what you said about other people's energy that we don't again realize is so profound. Yeah. I mean, I used to be like the number one case study for this. So that's why I've gotten so good at sort of being able to control it. But I would have moments where I would think back, you know, I'm in my 30s now, but I would think back to like something that I did in high school or like in middle school and I would start feeling anxious about it. Like, you know, that that person is probably over it by now. (laughs) (laughs) They probably didn't even have a scenario or like any thought about it probably at the time, half the time as well. Right. So I had to really learn how to sort of let go and, and also forgive myself for, you know, whatever it is that I felt that I did that wasn't right or wasn't appropriate. Um, just sort of forgive my, my awkward teenage self and <laughs> realize I'm no longer her, thankfully, <laughs> because that was a tough spot for me. You know, I wasn't the, uh, I wasn't the, uh, like, I'm, I'm sure everybody would say this, but I wasn't the popular, like get along with everybody easy to um, approach type of girl. And so, um, you know, I have to forgive myself for, for anything that I did then and whoever I was and just be who I am right now, which is, um, I like this person a lot better because she's a lot calmer and more peaceful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you finding that people are a little bit more open to this holistic approach of treatment or that in conjunction with the typical treatments that they are currently having for their anxiety? Um, I think people are open to it. I think people are afraid that I'm going to tell them to stop seeing their physician or stop seeing their therapist, which um which I don't, obviously I want us to all work together as a team, but I, uh, I sublet actually one of my offices, uh, we're moving soon and we're, we have a licensed professional counselor who's moving in um, to sublet the office. And I think that's a really great combination, but I was talking to her about this kind of stuff 
And we were talking about how, like, it doesn't matter how much therapy you get. If you are not supporting your body with the right foods, then it's, you're never going to be able to get over it with just therapy Mm -hmm. because you've got the chemical side of it and the blood sugar is all over the place. And, you know, your, your body's not getting the nutrition it needs to make the things it needs to make in order to make you feel good and happy. And so, you know, working on your thoughts and behaviors and all that, um, I teach some of that in my program. That's really more of the therapy side of it, but I feel like it all kind of goes together, but none, you have to do all, you have to do nutrition, exercise, thoughts, behaviors. It's my whole system net B. And if you don't do all four pillars, then, um, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It has to be that whole approach to it. Otherwise just one, one little peg in it is not gonna, not gonna stop that sinking ship at all. Exactly. What is one thing that you would tell somebody if they are struggling with anxiety that they could do today to start to address that? Um, I would say the first thing that I start with in my program is with, with mindset. And part of that is, like you said, the gratitude practice of doing some sort of gratitude every day for what you, the life that you have right now. You know, we all have something to be grateful for, um, no matter how small and how, how insignificant it might seem, but starting with that energy uh, first thing in the morning is really key to uh, allowing more things to be grateful for to come into your life. And uh, so I, I usually do start with the mindset. I start in my program with personal, personal mission statement. Um, most people don't, the reason they have anxiety is they're just kind of running around trying to do everything and be everything to everyone. So I help people really hone in on like, what am I here for? Like, what is my, what is my point to being on this planet or even just in this moment right now? And then it makes it a lot easier to say no to things that aren't in alignment with that. So I think that that is, um, that is key because if you don't have that, then it's like you're you, you don't have a reason to support your body with nutrition. You don't have a reason to make sure that you're in a good state of mind to, um, to do what you need to do. And a lot of times it's something really simple. You know, people are like, oh, well, I don't know what my purpose is. Like, you know, it's, it can sound really like hokey, but it's like, okay, my purpose is to be the best mom to my three kids and just raise them into the most wonderful people that I possibly can. Um, and just do the best job I can, no matter what, I mean, you can't like control where your kids are going to be, but, (laughs) but just to do the best job with them or, um, you know, to be the best employee and to like, really, if, if you don't have kids just to like shine at your job and like make people's day a little bit better every day. And so having some sort of mission of like, well, what am I doing? And it can change over time, I think can be really helpful. I really like all of those tools. That's, it's again, very simple yet not simple to do, but so important. Yeah. And so many people haven't done that. Um, I feel like we as business owners get a lot of this mindset, visionary work, like mission statements and all that because we're business owners, but it's like the people who aren't business owners need that too. Mm -hmm. Or a different approach of it too, for yourself. What is your mission for you? Not for everything else you're trying to juggle. Right. Exactly. And you don't have to define yourself as a mom all the time. Like you have other things in your life other than just your kids. I mean, not, I'm not saying like just your kids, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you have a whole life outside of your children and um, you don't have to allow that to define everything about you. So I think just being able to define and listen to me, I've got 
little child like whining here while I'm trying to record this podcast. But that's the perfect it's the perfect add-in to see all the things that you have to juggle. Exactly. And you know, I thought that maybe if I could let go of things that I could life would be easier. But but really it was my mindset around the things that I had to juggle that was the problem. It wasn't that I needed to let go of a lot of things, you know what I mean? Well, because there are things in life that we just have to do that we cannot let go of, yes. but we have to learn how to manage them. Yeah. Sometimes you have to hold a whiny baby while you record an interview. It's okay. <laughs> but it manages and it works perfectly. Exactly. Um, where can everybody find you, Samantha, if they are looking to know more? So I'm on Facebook mainly. I have videos that I post usually every week and uh, Samantha Lee RD. It's like facebook.com slash Samantha Lee RD. And um, I have a YouTube channel. I think it's also, you just would search Samantha Lee RD and um, pretty much everywhere on social as that, as that handle. And all of that will be in the show notes because I know everybody will be intrigued. I know that so many people suffer with anxiety and are looking for some great methods to help treat that, whether that's with medication or of course, obviously with all the other approaches as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate, I mean, I think it's, uh, such a great topic and I really appreciate any time I can get to talk about it yes and I end every episode with asking everybody what does being fierce mean to you hmm. I think being fierce means to just do what you're going to do and be who you're who you are at your core without worrying about what other people are going to say or think mm, I couldn't agree more Thank you so much, Samantha, for doing this today. I know that so many people have gotten some great, great insight on some things that they can simply implement into their lives. Oh, sorry. That's okay. (laughs) I really appreciate you having me on, Megan. And um, yeah, I'd love to uh, love to come on any any time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit and Fierce podcast. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and download so you never miss an episode, and drop me a rating and review. It's the best way to support the show and to keep more episodes coming your way. See you next time.